Hello and welcome to Design Untangled with me, Chris Mears, and usually Carla Lindarte, but she's ill this time, so I'm going to go solo and talk to myself in my home office, which is a bit weird. Uh, But anyway, we did manage to get something cool for you this episode. I'm going to be talking with Clive Trouncen, who is an Agile coach. We did the interview in a freezing cold park in central London. It's also the windiest day in recent memory. And for that reason, at various points, I'll probably dub over the interview so you can actually hear what we were saying above all the seagulls and geese that are attacking us and the wind practically blowing us off the bench. But anyway, enough chat for now. I'll be back at the end and here we go. Okay, I'm here with Clive Trouncen. Is that how you say your name? That's correct, yes. That's good, right, that's a good start. Uh, and he is an Agile coach currently working at Ministry of Justice, HMCTS. So let's start with asking what the hell is an Agile coach? What the hell is an Agile coach? Yes, that's a great question, isn't it? Well, so um, Agile methodology is a, is a way of developing software. Um, and what tends to happen is we get people that go on training courses or uh, maybe have read some stuff about Agile. Um, it's like most things. It's it's you can you can get the theory, but to put it, implement it in practice, and to do it well and to do it consistently, and particularly on a big program like we're doing, it's some additional help just to mm-hmm. kind of keep you know keep the wheels turning, make sure things are going in the right direction. Is is really what my role is about. What is agile? In, in this context, it is a, it's a software development methodology. Um, it's been around probably nearly twenty years now, early two thousands. Um, it's really started to gain momentum with it. That's certainly when I got involved in it. Um, and, I, and people will say there are two ways of software development. I mean, of course, there are more than two, but there's, there's your traditional, what people call waterfall, where you do all the requirements up front, mm-hmm. and then you do all the analysis design, and eventually you write the software, and then you test the software there, and then eventually you deploy it. And of course, by then the world has changed. Yeah. And it isn't what you thought you wanted, or you know things change. Um, it's also a very frustrating way of working because you've always got this deliverable that's a long, 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 long way away. So Agile changes that, and what it tries to do, it tries to deliver software regularly and frequently in small pieces of value. So your risk goes down, your value goes up. Um, you can try things out and iterate them and improve them. Um, and it's also the dynamic of the way it works tends to be self-motivating because you know, software guys and people that work in the industry, they like to do stuff. They like to see stuff yeah. happen. And, and if you're delivering software frequently, you're regularly seeing stuff happen, and that's cool, and that's sort of motivating. Cool. Um, and how did it come about, I guess? When did it start becoming a bit more mainstream? Um, so there was a... I mean, there's some um, some legendary names in the business. Um, the <laughs> Agile well, biz. Trying to, <laughs> trying to forget Legendary that. but forgettable <laughs> names. Keep, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and there was a there was a, a conference, I think it was called the Snowbird Conference, some in America, and a bunch of these guys got together and they came up with what was called the Agile Manifesto, which has got a number of four four key princi- four key statements, which which I am now going to attempt <laughs> to remember. Um, so the first one is, um, uh, I mean, the, the basic premise is about delivering software frequently and valuable yep. software, um, and and there's sort of four four main tenets in that are. Um, interactions and individuals over processes and tools so what that means is rather than you know worry about the complexities of using a particular tool for tracking your backlog like Jira for example it's about people working together and getting stuff done Um, 
The next one is working software over comprehensive documentation. If we think back to the other waterfall world, you know, big requirement specs, big design specs um, that nobody ever reads. Yep. Um, it doesn't mean that you know important is not imp- documentation not important. It's still it's still a very important thing to do, but it's about finding the right level. Um, responding to change over following a plan. Um, you know, it's the famous saying, uh, however good the plan is, it doesn't survive contact with the enemy. Right. <laughs> um, and it really is, you know, you, you, I'm sure we've all seen these Gantt charts that go on for thousands of lines, and again, nobody reads them, they're, they're impossible to follow. So it's about, it's about that, you know, responding to change and being, being that's kind of mm-hmm. where the agile bit comes from. And then the final one is about um, customer collaboration as opposed to contract negotiation. So if you're in a, in a commercial environment and you're working with suppliers, it's, it's thinking about if you've got an output-based contract that says you were, you know, you were produced these screens and these many lines of code. Yeah. But really, what you want is something that allows you to book an air, air, airline flight. Um, you need to structure contracts in such a way that you can have that agility and change what the outputs are to, to meet the goal. So those are kind of the four four things really. So when you say contracts, what do you mean, like in terms of the contract with your end user? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I've always read it as more of contract with the software supplier. Right. Um, you know, in organisations, organisations outsource their software development. So if you're outsourcing your software development, you think we want a piece of software that does exactly X, Y, and Z, and then you get into it and realise that you want something else, you don't really want to be changing your contract. That's just yeah. that's just a pain. It gets in the way. You know, so you want to be able to get you want to get yourself a commercial arrangement if that if that's the way you're working that allows to say we want something to be able to people to book airline flights to give you an example and then your contract is a surgeon where that is you can collaborate with the, with the users and the customers you go to get them what they really need yeah as opposed to what you think you want you bake it into a contract so I guess there's probably a bit of tension in terms of people signing off budgets and stuff in that I guess why Waterfall was a, a comfortable realm exactly. to live exactly. in is you knew yeah. exactly what you were buying and you could put a, a monetary amount against that, whereas Agile was a bit more flexible and I guess oh, you I need know. to use stuff like milestones. Uh, well, or well, exactly. Releases. I mean, you've hit your nail on the head there. It's if you've got a functional spec that you can sign off, you say, I know exactly what I'm getting. The, the problem is, though, you're doing that so in advance of before doing anything that yeah, how do you know you've got it right? Yeah, yeah. It might be eighty percent right, it might be twenty percent right, and then you're stuck in this world where you're just having to go through a really painful change process to get what you need. Um, and then what about the crazy situation where actually you start doing something and you realise that you don't need all of it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a classic Microsoft Word example. I mean, Microsoft Word has got 15 billion features in it, and most of us probably only use about 10 of them. You know, so why do we need to pay all that money for all of it? That's a very good question. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. often wonder that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, have you ever seen Agile used outside of software development, or do you think it could ever be used outside software development? So I was thinking about... Well, I wasn't thinking, but a colleague was thinking when he knew this chat was going to happen. You can probably guess who was thinking it. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess the probably one of the biggest examples of the waterfall methodology outside software development is maybe like building a house. So it would be yeah. quite rare or perhaps crazy that you would just maybe design the kitchen first and then figure out how the, the bedroom's going to slot into True. that. 
True. So, I mean, the, 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 the it's an analogy that gets drawn quite a lot, whereas the construction industry is a mature industry and people pretty much know that in order to build a house, you do the foundations, then you do the ground floor, then you do the upper floor, then yeah. you put the roof on last. That, that's a well understood thing. And you know, most modern houses now are built standard sizes so you can get furniture through the doors. And you, you, we kind of know what people want in a house. Yeah. They ever sit to eat, wash and sleep and do all those sort of things that people do in houses. Um, so it's relatively well understood, you know, it's well understood. Um, whereas most software engineering is your, if it's new product development, you don't know what you're doing. And the example that people talk about is the Sydney Opera House. Mm -hmm. The Sydney Opera House was a, was a new building that people didn't know what they wanted and they were inventing new construction techniques and all sorts of things. And it, and it, it took a long time and, of course, it went over budget. Whereas if, if we were to build a Sydney Opera House now, we would say, yeah, we know exactly what we want. We know we're going to have it. Yep. Bosh, done, simple. So at this point, I asked Clive how you can measure the value of Agile or waterfall in a project. Here's what he had to say. It's, re it's, it's really about, um, one of the buzzwords in, in Agile is about uncertainty, and, you, there, and there, are, there are two dimensions to uncertainty. One of them is about, do we know what we want? And the other one is, do we know how we're going to do it? Yep. And if the answer to both of those questions is, yes, we know exactly what we want, and we know exactly how we're going to do it, then, yeah, you don't, you don't need an Agile project. Mm -hmm. You don't need to explore, you don't need to experiment, just go, go ahead and do it. I mean, but on, on the value thing is an interesting thing. If you do a waterfall project, the value that you're delivering, the benefit you get is you only get it right at the very, very end when you deliver yep. the whole thing. And you know, imagine taking the Microsoft Word example again. If we spent five years developing this super advanced word process and you get to the end and someone says, well, I only need a notepad because if I had that like yep. a month into the project, um, that, that's you know that's kind of where the value goes because it's it's delivering software regularly and frequently. People can use it; they they get value out of it. Mm. They, you know they can make the, they get the things they need to get done done. So let's move a bit more to how agile works in the context of sort of designing uh -huh. stuff. Can mm. you explain the difference between agile and Scrum? Uh, okay, so Agile is the way of looking. Scrum is a particular methodology within it. So there are various different flavors of Agile processes. Mm -hmm. They all adhere to the same principles. And Scrum is is a probably the most popular way of working process. Yep. There, there are other ones. The other one that people talk about is, uh, is Kanban, which mm -hmm. is more of a, a flow-based methodology, which... which is primarily came out of the Toyota vehicle manufacturing industry and they right. stole ideas of that from supermarkets as well. Um, probably the best example of a Kanban is, is, is if you go into McDonald's and look at the burgers, they, they only make the burgers when people come in and ask for them. I mean, if you actually go to Whopper King, it's actually... They do it too far the other way. You hang around waiting Whopper for... Whopper King? <laughs> I think that's what it's called, isn't it? Burger King. <laughs> but... so, some new burger joint I've got to try. Yeah, if you're going to Whopper King, yeah. <laughs> um, but the idea is they don't... They don't um, um, you know, you go in and you make your order and they, 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 they have just sort of enough stuff 
that's in flight, so you always get a fresh burger. Yeah. And they, they match the demand to the supply of burgers and things. So, so that's more of a flow-based model where the work flows through smoothly. Right. Um, Scrum is an, an iterative thing based on two weekly cycles, normally two weekly cycles, where you set an objective for that period of time, and then the whole team works on meeting that objective. At the end of it, you ideally deliver and ship some software if you can, and then repeat and repeat and repeat. Um, and Scrum is made up of a couple of different ceremonies? Uh, that's correct, yes. So there are, um, there's, there's basically three key elements to, to Scrum. There is, there is the, the people side of it, uh, there's this thing called the product backlog, and then there's the, the, the ceremonies, which is a very grand term for the meetings that yep. you have. Um, and very broadly, you have five or six, depending on how you count them, um, at the beginning of the cycle, you plan what you can do in that in the next two weeks, and that's called sprint planning. Every day, the team comes together and has a brief conversation, normally first thing in the morning, called the daily stand-up, where you say, what did I do yesterday, what am I going to do today, and what's preventing me making progress? Yep. And the idea of that session is to have some, some quick communication with the team, so you know what you're doing, you need to work through the day, and any issues that need to be taken away resolved. Uh, and then at the end of the cycle... You do two further ceremonies. One of them is called the demo. Some people call it the show and tell. It's where you come together and say, "Look, this is what we've done. Isn't it yep. cool? Isn't it amazing?" Um, and that, that you know, that, that's great. You show people what you've done. You get to celebrate success. Go to the pub afterwards. Um, and then you do the other thing. It's called a, a retrospective, where you look back on the work you've done and how you've been working, and say, "Can we improve that process?" Mm-hmm. Um, so we did have a specific question actually as well. We're on retrospectives in uh-huh. have you got any tips for running good retrospectives and making sure it's not just a big whinge session? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so what you can do, there, there, there are many different ways you can do it. There are, there are lots of different techniques that you can use of, of, uh, of doing that. Um, you know, what went well, didn't go well, what do we want to start doing, what do we want to stop doing, all that sort of stuff. Um, but then the other thing is you can think about themes. So rather than it in a broad brush moaning um, you might recognise that for example your technology team aren't getting the software deployed quick enough Yeah. so you could say let's just have a retrospective on that so you can sort of pick a particular theme and that, that's sometimes quite a good thing to do because otherwise it can, sometimes it can just be too generic yeah um, and you need kind of defined actions coming out of well, it as well, which yeah. is another important thing, I guess. Uh, yes, and normally the hardest part is actually flowing, is doing something about the actions. It's uh, If you do a retrospective and you do a generic one, you come up with 700 actions, of which you deliver none of them. Whereas if you say we're just going to look at our tech pipeline and we have two actions, there's a good chance we might fix them. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's that, that, in my experience, that's the way to do it. So... Agile works very well for software development and I guess one of the newer kind of areas or um, capabilities that has come in software development more recently is UX, uh-huh. user experience design research. Yeah. In some ways it's a bit of an uncomfortable fit sometimes because as UXers you kind of want to understand the whole thing and Agile is very much about, okay, we don't know what the whole thing is yet. Well, that's, 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 um, that's a yeah, tricky so, balance. I, so I disagree with that statement. Okay. Because let's, you know, if we go back to, it's really understanding what is the objective of this thing that you're doing. Am, am I building a, am I doing something to allow to book hotel rooms? Yeah. 
or am I allowing building a system that books a flight or allows people to track their moods throughout the day you know you, you have something you're trying to achieve some benefit you're trying to get out of this um, and what you need to do is you just need to explore what that means on the journey to get there and so this is the whole point I mean you know we talked about this about having a vision yeah. once you've got a vision about what you're trying to do suddenly it becomes a lot easier because people are focusing on the same thing once you've got a rough idea of who your users are um, and what, what they're trying to achieve, then you know where you're going. Um, and in, in software development now, there are a number of patterns that we, we understand, particularly in sort of, you know, sort of routine data processing things like forms that capture information or people booking yep. stuff. Or, um, so you, you, know, you have a broad idea of the types of things that your system might need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really about exploring those things and making sure that you build the right things to allow people to do the, the jobs they need to do in the most efficient way possible. So if you're building those kind of that grand vision in two week sprints, mm-hmm. you're inevitably looking at smaller parts of that yes. bigger journey. Are there any techniques to make sure that you get to sprint eight and you haven't just built eight disjointed things that <laughs> allow them to do the task but make no sense when they're kind of combined as one software product. Yeah, I mean, obviously you need to be, as you go through, as you, as you, each time you build a new piece, you integrate it into the whole and say, does the whole itself continue to work? Yeah. And you're going to be looking at that from a technical point of view. Does it perform? Does it integrate well? Um, is, it, is it respondent? Is it, is it performance? can we deploy it but also your users you're going to take it back and get them to test it you know, mm-hmm. test those longer journeys of course you are uh, as an agile coach then you're coming in helping teams get used to this way of working whereas mm-hmm. maybe they haven't before what have been some kind of the main challenges or common challenges that you see with teams adopting agile effectively Um, so the first thing is people get hung up on the tooling. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about the t- lot of organisations tool called Jira to it to allow them to track their product backlogs, and they get a bit knotted about that. Um, and they think oh, I'm doing Jira there from Agile. That that's not true. Yep. Um, fragmentations of teams as well. I mean, you know this. This is teams get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then suddenly you find like our morning stand-up's taking an hour. How yep. how do we do that? And so you need to stop and think about are your teams getting too big? How do you how do you restructure them? Ideally, a scrum team you have six people, right. multifunctional team because you can stay small and nimble. Um, but that's not always practical. Um, I think the other thing is you have. I mean, this is this is one of the things that we do as coaches you you have people that have different experiences elsewhere and they come to organizations they have their own view of the world and their own agile view of things and sometimes those different ways of doing things can clash and that that, i mean that's not just with agile that's with anything yeah bringing people together so part of it is getting people um the individuals and interactions pieces getting those people together and getting them to understand what a common vision is and, and heading in the same direction i think if you can get that bit sorted yeah, <laughs> you're in a good place, and that, that, to be honest, that's not really agile. That's just good practice, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's just yeah. making sure people don't punch each other <laughs> in meetings. <usually>. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, there is the temptation to drift because oh, we need to keep exploring and we need to keep experimenting, and that that sometimes to, 
to be the downside whereas the it's not about that it's about delivering software frequently and yeah. figure and, and get to a deliver the value and finding out if that it, and from that learning and improving it there, there, there sometimes can be a temptation and we, you know we've all been guilty of it through our careers of, of what's called gold plating you keep tweaking it to make it perfect yeah but you never actually deliver the damn thing mm-hmm. and you know that can happen all sorts oh i need to run one more test i need to do one more design i need to do one more round of research i just need to refactor this code one more time no no what you need to do is ship the damn thing and yep. find out and um, so one of the things that happens during the course of a sprint is developers would typically estimate how long it's going to take yeah. to well not how long but how much effort it is to build a particular task or story mm-hmm. does that work or can that work with UX type tasks as well or do you need a different approach for understanding how and what UX related stuff you're going to be doing within a sprint um, I think that's an Nirvana if you can do that if you can have complete team sizing of the work I think that's an excellent place to get to it's really hard because um, you're measuring different things but if it, it's it's I've never personally I've never got it to work successfully and it's one thing that I know as, as other coaches we have talked about and, and the challenge is getting to that point. Um, the other thing that you can get is the, I mean, we've talked about this, the concept of a runway, whereas you have an idea, you might explore it. So you might have a user story that says, um, I don't know, uh, I was thinking of something fairly, my favorite one, I need, I, I need to pay a fee. Yeah. You know, we clearly know there's a user story that says, I need to pay a fee. At that point in time, we, we don't know anything more than that. What's, how is the fee calculated? Um, technically, what payment service provider are we going to use? Um, do we want to build our own bespoke UI or just we're going to use the one by the service provider? Is it going to pop out into its own window? Is it going to be in page? All those things that we don't, we don't know about it. Yeah. Um, and it may be that by the time you've answered all those questions, several sprints have gone by. So then it becomes quite difficult to estimate something because it's by its very nature, then it splits across several sprints. Um, so, you know, how, how do you tackle that particular problem? Um, you, you, if you're not careful, you split it down and it, it, it breaks itself into a, a, a number of different tasks, which is sort of getting away from what you want to do. Um, the, the way that we tend to do it is, is, is just treat them separately. This is the pure engineering, the software engineering piece, and we estimate that. Yeah. And the rest of it is sort of more of a more of a. How long do you think it's going to take to go away and investigate this work? How many? You know, what sort of research do you want to do, and then backwards plan it from it. So you might argue, well, hey, that sounds like a waterfall project to me. Mm-hmm. But you're not. What you're not waterfalling all of the project you're just looking at those bits that you don't know so that payment bit you have to say well before we build that we've got to understand what it is we've got to try some ideas we've got to design it and then we've got to build it meanwhile there are other parts of the project that are building and delivering software yeah I think that's the thing it's like a spike almost yeah Yeah. yeah Right. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely freezing and cannot continue this conversation much longer. <laughs> all, you, all you hear is our teeth rattling soon, won't you? Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks very much for chatting. Right, Hopefully welcome, get you back okay. on the podcast again sometime yeah. in the future. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that. Maybe one of these days I'll actually get a clean recording off this portable mic, but we'll see. No promises. 
Let's do some plugs. So on Twitter, you can follow us at Design Untangled. We're also on Facebook now as well, forward slash Design Untangled. You can get in touch with us individually on Twitter at Chris underscore Mears underscore UX and at Carla Lindarte. We have a website which is designuntangled.co.uk. As always, leave us your feedback comments on Apple Podcasts because that helps us know what you guys like, what you don't like. Don't forget to subscribe as well so you never miss a new episode. And we will both see you next time. See ya.